Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neom Ratio. My name is Thomas Daam. Today I'm in Hilversum at the Infographic Conference. My guest is Dion Lee. She is art director at Fox.com, which is a US-based media company whose mission is to explain the news. Um, you maybe know their YouTube channel or their Netflix series uh, Explained. And I discovered Fox uh, through their podcasts uh, like Pivot and uh, Land of the Giants. And today I'm very happy to ask uh, Dion all sorts of questions about the work that she does and makes for Fox. So thank you so much for being on the show, Dion. Yeah, thanks for having me. <clears throat> and um, you just gave a presentation. Yeah. Um, you were the opening speaker today. And um, how did your talk go? Very nerve-wracking. Mm. Um, I actually came to Amsterdam last Sunday. Right. Um, and then we spent uh, three days in Amsterdam and then came to Hilversum. And then I did a workshop yesterday. Yeah. But I wish that I kind of switched it around so I had some time after the conference. Because <laughs> I think I was just so nervous like leading up to it that right. I've been just stressing out the whole week. But right. I'm so happy that it's like over and done. Yeah. And... Now I'm in a good mood, so this is great. Okay, did you enjoy Amsterdam? Yeah, Amsterdam was so lovely. Right. I love um, all the houses, architecture, um, bikes everywhere. The one thing that I did notice that's different from New York, because I'm from mm -hmm. New York, um, you guys don't really use curtains, so you, it's very easy to just look into your houses, which right. is very nice as an outsider. Right. Um, so... Yeah, I've been just like walking around, looking at people's houses like a creep. Right. But yeah, that's just been very lovely. You guys have very nice homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you should come to the countryside. <laughs> Is it even bigger? Yeah. The windows? Th th that's the whole thing. A lot of people just go for a walk or walk their dog mm -hmm. and then they like they watch inside what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. So and, nice. Yeah, and some people have curtains, others have like uh, sheets. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So and um, <clears throat> to come back to the to the talk, um, mm -hmm. do you enjoy crafting a talk together? Um, so this is the first public talk that okay. I've ever given. Um, I used to do this a lot with my coworkers, mm -hmm. where we'll craft um, tutorials to help each other how to think about box mm -hmm. videos and you know things like that. So I did a couple of talks uh, for my colleagues where. I cover a lot of um, visual hierarchy and how to think about visuals mm -hmm. um, and how to point people's uh, attention to a very narrow area of the screen because if you think about how our eyes work, you can only maybe see a very small mm -hmm. part of something um, at a time in a very sharp focus. Um, so yeah, I've talked about things like that with my colleagues, but this one was a very first big one okay so yeah. you did a great job it was like oh thank you i think you explained a good way how fox works mm -hmm. what are what, what are important values um, mm -hmm. for making explain a video for example um so um can you tell me how did you landed your job at fox um i started as a graphic design student. I moved to New York to go to SVA, mm -hmm. which is a school of visual arts, mm -hmm. um, a and college. And you're originally from? Oh, so I grew up in Korea, and okay. then I moved to Vancouver, where I grew up most of my life. And then I decided to move to New York to go to design school because there's maybe two 
art mm-hmm. schools in Canada. And I really wanted to go to a graphic design school right. and SVA seemed like a really good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I packed my bags, moved to New York, went to school there. And right after my graduation, um, I did get a job at Viacom, which is a big company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a lot of like advertising work there. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I did more advertising work. And, you know, I just kind of stayed there for a little bit. And then the way that I can, kind of found media was through Eater, which is a, another company mm-hmm. under Vox Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the big umbrella company for Vox.com, The Verge, um, Curbed, Recode, and all these other websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I got into Eater as a motion designer there, and I worked with a very small team of three. Mm-hmm. So that's where I learned a lot of editing. Like I used to edit podcasts mm-hmm. for a little bit because yeah. we just like didn't have enough people to kind of right. you know do the uh, technical things. So I really got like a very quick overview of how production works in audio, video, um, you know, making illustrations. So like all of that, I kind of knew, but I've never done it in like a professional mm-hmm. setting. And I got like a huge, you know, very steep learning curve very quickly at Eater. Um, and then I actually sat next to Joe and Estelle, who were kind of like the original Vox producers and um i actually sat next to them for a while and i didn't know who they were because vox Mm -hmm. was still so new so Mm -hmm. i didn't understand the concept of vox media and Mm -hmm. then also vox.com underneath that um but i just saw that they were doing really cool work and they were looking for a motion designer for their science series Mm -hmm. called observatory yeah and i love the producer for that show who is uh joss fong and i really wanted to work with her um because she's an amazing science journalist um so yeah i applied for the job i got the job and i worked as a a editor animator for observatory Mm -hmm. and then at some point you know this is very typical vox where they're like do you want to try writing and i had no experience in writing um but they were very patient with me um kind of walking me through how the process works and then just kind of me trying to mimic um, what they were doing at mm-hmm. the time. So I became a producer where I kind of produced a lot of um, culture stories, a lot of stuff that was driven from like my own personal curiosities. And because I'm not a trained journalist, it was much easier for me to kind of base the story out of my own experience yeah. because you know, the platform of us being on YouTube is so helpful that way because people are so comfortable with personal stories now mm-hmm. where the older generation of journalists, you're not supposed to interfere in stories and you're not supposed to be part of this journalistic um, journey that you're taking people on. So kind of being in that environment, being on YouTube and mm-hmm. things like that kind of helped me mm-hmm. um, pivot that way. So. Yeah, after being a producer for a little bit, um, I really wanted to just focus on design and I was already doing a lot of branding for different shows. Um, So when our team was growing and we were trying to make more different buckets Mm -hmm. of shows instead of just doing one big, Mm -hmm. you know, channel for explainers. Mm -hmm. So we started developing smaller series that were a little bit more focused. 
like Atlas, it's a show about geopolitical conflict. So mm-hmm. that show needed branding. I was doing that. There was another series that we did about future of work. Mm-hmm. I did the branding around that as well. So around that time, they were thinking about how to sell these shows um, so that we can kind of get funding yeah. for the content that we were making. After uh, kind of needing that person to kind of make sure that everything looks cohesive, um, working over you know different animators and different producers, uh, I kind of naturally mm. got the job that way. Right. Yeah. So that was a very long answer, but that was the journey. That's great because Fox is growing uh, very rapidly. Yeah, I can imagine that the role is growing because you, you're producing more. So we did need a, like somebody right. who's overviewing uh, uh, like the visual style. Yeah. You started as a graphic designer, uh, which is print mm-hmm. mainly, and then you st- uh, came into media. So was there something before you came into media that you were already triggered by the motion part uh, in graphic design or the, in the explaining of the, the content? Mm-hmm. In school, they kind of moved us, all the print designers, into more of like a digital and okay. video space because yeah. they were like, you know, guys, this is the print future. is dying. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is a much more viable career right. for the future. So I wasn't certain on any of those mm-hmm. like ui ux design was so difficult for right. me um i just couldn't understand how it worked and then i tried video and after effects that's the program that we mainly mm-hmm. use um it's a very difficult program it's right. not an intuitive program at no. all hated working on it um but the thing that i did like about video is the fact that you work on it you render it you publish it and you're done exactly Yeah, you don't have to look at it for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. I kind of like that there was some sort of an end to it. And Mm -hmm. then we push it out into the world and that's just how it lives. Um, Whatever mistakes or whatever it has, it's part of it. Right. Where I think design was just a little too structured in terms of like, we have to make this perfect because it has to have uh, longevity, you know, in terms of like, people can stare at it for longer, you know, think all these other things. So I think um, video for me, I just kind of like the speed Mm -hmm. of it a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Has your way of designing changed because of the medium? Yeah, for sure. Um, I talked a little bit about it uh, during Mm -hmm. the conference where I talk about this idea of fast thinking. So fast thinking is something that we do naturally Mm -hmm. because we've been taught Mm -hmm. as we were growing up so Mm -hmm. the example that i had was this very red um vibrant stop sign that everyone inherently understands Mm -hmm. what it means because it's red you know it signals danger people just know what that is Mm -hmm. so we try to use that a lot throughout our videos so that people can understand things very quickly because on print or on websites or anything like that people have all the time in the world to kind of look through um, and sort data on their own time and figure stuff out that way where video we have a limited amount of time where we have to make sure people Mm -hmm. are looking here people are looking there Um, so we have to be a little bit more deliberate on things that we kind of show people Mm -hmm. so i think as a designer i really learned to not decorate as much so decorative design it's great you know that's Mm -hmm. part of design you have to make things Mm -hmm. look pretty but i think for me now 
how design works in terms of like is this being effective in terms of like is this helping you understand this thing mm -hmm. or is it distracting you right. and i think that's a big question yeah. that i ask myself do you have a very specific but super clear style in elements that you use to highlight the things that uh, people um, have to look to and is that something that you discovered by making or is it something that you really thought of uh, before you created one uh, episode for example yeah so i think highlighting was a big part mm -hmm. of uh, the branding around vox before i came so the highlighting part just kind of you know adding the context and adding footnotes and mm. all of that was kind of baked into what box.com was yeah but i think over time as me working as a an art director i so part of my job is to watch every single cut that the producers make and give feedback mm -hmm. so also doing a lot of like critical thinking and kind of giving feedback in that process i think I just, you know, personally realized that that was a way much more effective way of communicating. Um, so I think we just kind of do a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And I think other brands like try to copy that in more of a decorative way. They just highlight things because, you know, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, but the way that we try to do things is like, are we actually talking about the thing that's on screen and mm -hmm. what we're saying like is it matching so right. i think we try to do the auditory information um we try to match the auditory information yeah. to the visual can you explain how you, how you um, decide to make an explainer mm -hmm. what are the criteria um so i'm mostly not part of the editorial decisions okay. that come but for the most part how it works is that the producers will pitch on their own what they want to cover. So mm -hmm. no one is kind of assigned anything. So that's part of why our channel is so interesting, but also kind of random. Because these are coming from like multiple brains that okay. want to think about different things mm -hmm. um, constantly. So what happens is that the producers will pitch a couple of stories and then the executive producer and the story editors who edit the script, mm -hmm. um, they kind of come together and decide like is this a visual story right. or like is this a video and that's a big question that they ask all the time because we are a visual medium mm -hmm. um because we're making video so there are certain stories that you can do in a podcast is different than what we can do in video versus another article mm -hmm. um so i think they kind of think about um that and then i think explainers are kind of like service journalism almost so if there's enough um inquiry from the audience like this keeps happening like what does it mean mm -hmm. then i think that's when we kind of decide to make uh more topical videos right. which is a little bit more rare for us because we don't cover things that are new mm -hmm. we cover kind of like oh this keeps happening how do we understand right. this topic so yeah. it's almost data driven yeah yeah for sure Okay, and <clears throat> when it's there, like, like what you said, the editor or the producer comes with a story to you or to your team, and then how do you start? How do we work together? Yeah. Um, so the thing that I really want to emphasize is our team um, 
a lot of the journalists know how to edit and animate and mm-hmm. all these other things. And also the animators, like I started as an animator, but I also learned how to research and write and things like that. So we kind of understand the whole production mm-hmm. from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, so we make sure that when we work together, we understand each other. So for example, if I'm working on a video as a designer, a motion graphics artist, you know, whatever, I make sure that I understand the content for myself. So I go in and I do my own research. So I make sure that I'm understanding the whole topic Mm -hmm. as is. So I, during the conference, I talked about how um, for the Boeing video, there was that angle of attack diagram that I didn't understand so I went back to the producer and I sent him articles that helped me understand Mm -hmm. that topic I was like is this correct am I thinking about this right so we get to a place where we're both at an equal level Mm -hmm. of understanding and the same thing goes for producers where if they are working with motion designers they can't just say hey can you just go make this pretty they Mm -hmm. have to spend time articulating what they're trying to say and i think animators are really great um almost like a proxy to the audience because Mm -hmm. if the animators can't understand something then the audience won't either so we have a really good relationship in terms of how we work together Mm And also because we understand each other's process, like I know that writing is really hard. Mm. Now I do, you know? So if something doesn't work visually, then I can go back and say, hey, can we kind of rewrite this? I'm Mm. not really understanding understanding this uh, concept. And then vice versa, the journalists know how hard it is to actually make and animate stuff. So they are kind of um, more patient and diligent about what they're asking of um, from the animators. So it also sounds that <clears throat> that you're working very closely with the content creator and then the visualizer. Let's say, let's call it that. And mm-hmm. but because you both do your own research, you get an extra layer, which makes it probably better. And then you are there to look at it again and mm-hmm. then give feedback, and then they go back and make it better. So there are a lot of. Um, layers in between before something um, gets published yeah so there's a lot of audience tests before it actually gets the audience Uh, because even the story editors from the very beginning Mm -hmm. you know when they first read the script you know they're technically the first audience because they're reading that story for the first time yeah so we just have these um, feedback processes baked into our production schedule so that as we're going along in the process, we're refining things visually, we're refining things um, through VO. So yeah, I think it gets edited down that way. And also what I thought was very interesting, um, just doing this visual editor job, we actually had um, Ira Glass come Mm -hmm. talk to us at one of our office offsite meetings. Mm -hmm. And one thing that Ira Glass talked about Uh, that I thought was really great was that he was saying that he's not a good story producer but he's a good editor and he was saying that his strength in terms of storytelling is that he's a really good editor Mm -hmm. so we were asking him like what makes a good editor and he was saying that to be a good editor you have to be a good appreciator so not really criticizing the work but kind of seeing it in a way where you know, you know how to appreciate good work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the position that we're coming in from. So as a visual person, I try to appreciate the things that are 
happening, the things that I want to keep, the things that I want to nurture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our videos kind of look different, but that's okay because yeah. all the producers have their own style. And same goes for stories. You know, some producers tell <clears throat> stories in a different way, <clears throat> but the story editors also come from yeah. a point of view where, oh, that's, you know, just how Kim tells her story. That's, mm -hmm. This is how Alvin tells his story. So we have different ways of kind of nurturing their voice and right. their... Um, visualization as producers yeah 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 uh, and of course the story is completely different every time oh so yeah it's, so uh, different now it's interesting that you have all these different voices but because there is this visual style or the brand style then puts it all together and then yeah, I, I found it really interesting so I, I really enjoyed watching the videos and um, while working on a on a explainer um, how does the content that you have to um, visualize or reorder influence your personal life or do you take it with you at home if you uh, work on a heavy subject oh uh, for sure um yeah we cover a lot of you know dark and sad stories and you actually see a lot of bad stuff because hmm. um, for one of the title sequences that i showed uh, false positive which was the one that had like kind of the scanner motif yeah. so the whole story it was a murder case so I saw a lot of images there um, so you I think a lot about it but I think at the end of the day I the reason why I like working in journalism and media is you actually kind of learn about the world as you're working because if I was just a designer and back in the day when I was working for advertising, I was just looking at happy stuff and like right. making pretty things where I think with journalism, yeah, you really do see a lot of really bad stuff. But I think you're a little bit more closer to how the actual mm -hmm. world exists, I guess. Um, so I, I am very thankful for that, that, yeah. you know, I get to even think and kind of see all those things, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. yeah so it, it also makes you more thoughtful about the next project that you take on because uh, yeah yeah I can imagine that yeah and we do definitely think a lot about um, how to be uh, thoughtful when we show things mm -hmm. so for example Atlas the geopolitical yeah. conflict series in the script we talk a lot about like this country bombed this country and you know often will just have an image of a bomb going off on a map but like that doesn't really tell you we're talking about people dying but you don't really see that so we make sure that you know show images of people suffering there because that's what we're trying to talk about right yeah. um so just kind of like trying to be diligent about um what we show and then also trying to be um careful and trying to give those people justice for their stories and things like that mm -hmm. um yeah you just actually think a lot which is exhausting but i think it's you know i'm very grateful yeah you also see that back in in the videos because they grab they grab you in the first 10 seconds i don't know exactly the time frame <laughs> but mm -hmm. they grab you and then you want to continue watching and um on what are you working now i'm working on multiple things right now but i uh, we just got a grant for... Oh, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> um, we got a grant for um, to do a long-term series about AI and mm -hmm. how that affects us. Yeah. So I'm making a stock guide for that. Um, and 
you know, still reviewing a lot of videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm trying to hire people uh, yeah. to kind of add on to my team. Right. So yeah, a lot going on, but it's cool. really fun. So it's also, it's, it's really funny. <laughs> Or maybe it's not funny, but it's like... <laughs> It's a effect of life that you grow so much in your role. Now you're managing all kinds of people. Is that some, something that you keep up at night? Um, I think now um, managing people, I have a lot more appreciation for managers because it is really hard. Right. Um, but I think it has made me a better manager knowing both sides of the production. Mm-hmm. Like me being a motion designer i know how to protect them and being a producer i know how to protect the producers as well so i think doing both jobs and kind of being in between those two people now um i think i kind of learned how to navigate uh Mm -hmm. between those circles so it's good but it's also yeah not very fun because it's a lot of talking to people yeah because exactly. when you're a maker you just keep your head down yeah. you just do the job right. you make the thing you publish it and then you move on where now i just feel like i'm constantly like are you okay are you doing yeah. okay um so yeah it's different yeah now yeah i can imagine that it's it's different especially when you come from a makeup position do you have uh, upcoming speaking gigs no no oh Oh, actually, I do. Oh, great. I do. Um, I'm going to go talk at a journalist conference in South Korea at the end of the month. Ah, So that'll be fun. So I have to be quick with the editing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice. So uh, you are fortunate that you can speak them in your uh, monotone then. Oh, no. Well, I know. They asked me. I actually can speak fluent Korean. Right. But I don't... Cause, because I didn't really have the education in Korea, mm-hmm. I don't know how to change certain like professional words. Right. Um, so I asked if I could do it in English, and they said yes. So ah, I'll be doing it in English. <laughs> they can understand pr- uh, perfectly English. So that's okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, at the end, every um, interview I ask um, my guest, to share a single recommendation in uh, five categories. And um, it's called Neon 5, this section. No idea Very it, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> um, the first category is food. What's What do your, I recommend? Yeah, your favorite food. Or? My favorite food? Um, I think I've always been a very big fan of soups. soups. So anything that has water consistency, I will put it in my mouth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like homemade or like doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. It could be like curry. It could right. be uh, noodle soup or anything soupy. I will eat. I actually had the um, the Dutch. Yeah, the soup. It, it's the mushroomy one. Oh, mushroom, mushroom chicken. Uh, ragu. Okay. Ragu. Ragu. But it's not really soup. Well, it was soupy though. It was like very thick soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's still soup. It's more liquid than chewing, right? Mm, yeah, but it has to... So you don't consider that soup? No, that's not soup. So be- because you eat it in a cup? like a, Yeah, in, in the a, pastry in a, cup. In a pastry mm-hmm. cup, exactly. And then you have like the ragu in, inside. Now this is like, you have soup, mm-hmm. then you have like uh, the ragu, mm-hmm. and then you have main course or something. Oh, really? Like, yeah. So it comes after the soup? Yeah, at my grandmother's, with the whole family, she made soup and she made ragu mm-hmm. for the whole family and then she had bread and stuff. And then most of the time there was also a main course. Oh, well, 
I was a big fan. No, My favorite really nice. Dutch food. Yeah, 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 but I think it's really, it's really, really nice. It's something that I don't often eat, so but it's nice. Yeah. And um, uh, next category is book. Book. Um, I started this really interesting book um, called How to Do Nothing, mm-hmm. and I read it because we uh, Ezra Klein, who's the um, founder of Vox, he has a podcast and he right. interviewed her and her name is uh, Jenny O'Dell mm-hmm. and she wrote this book called How to Do Nothing and it was just kind of about how to almost like detach yourself from all these like information that we're seeing every day yeah. Um, so yeah I'm going through that and it's very fascinating ah, nice uh, movie movie like a movie that I like yeah um, I would say Mulan. Sorry? The Disney movie. Like the new animating or like the... No, the the old one. Because apparently a lot of people haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Uh, No, but I have Disney Plus so I can watch it. Do it. It's the most feminist Disney movie, I would Ah, say. Okay, wow. So do you have a daughter? Yes. So you should show it to her. But she's like one and a half. Well, when she can understand. Okay, okay, okay. That's good. Yeah. No, but I can watch it because I have Disney Plus so I can... It's still in test mode. So. There we go. Uh, music? Music. Um, I've been listening to this 18-year-old British poet. I think she's described as that. Called um, Arlo Park. But yeah, she has really great music. And uh, miscellaneous? Something from your life that you would recommend to other people? Mm. Um... Things that I would recommend other people. Um, get a massage. Yes. It does a lot because I, I don't go very often, but um, <clears throat> whenever I go, I have a really great time. Mm-hmm. I fall asleep mm-hmm. and then I get embarrassed because I wake up to myself snoring. But mm-hmm. it's really nice mm-hmm. and relaxing. Yeah. So people get people should get more massages. And is there a specific massage that you appreciate or like doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, where can people follow you on the uh, world oh, wide web? Um, in the digital world, I do have Twitter, but I have never tweeted. I've seen that, yeah. Oh, wait, you saw it? Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know what's important enough to like tweet about. I don't get it. So Don't do it then. It's too much pressure. Because right. also, I have to do my initial first tweet. So right. I think just leading just up leave. to it, I just couldn't do it. No. So I do have Twitter, but I never check it. Right. And I don't have any tweets on it. But I do have Instagram mm-hmm. um, at Dion, D-I-O-N, Shrigley, S-H-R-I-G-E. L-E-Y. And nice. that's the only thing that I use. Okay. Uh, you don't have a personal website or YouTube? Uh, no. Um, you can find my work on the Vox oh, yeah. YouTube site. Um, and you have, I saw that you have on Vox.com, you have yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. A, a profile page. I do have a profile page on the Vox.com website. You can look for me. It's Dion Lee, D-I-O-N-L-E-E. Yes, um, I will add it in the show notes. Okay. So People can find it easily. And then, no, I haven't updated my website. I'm a very oh. offline person. Great. Is that but you're working in media, so you're constantly like yeah. online getting all the stuff. I just don't want to make more content right. at home. I think that's the problem. Yeah, so uh, one last question. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a hobby then to to 
relax at home? Um, I enjoy painting a painting. lot. Yeah, right. painting. Um, I would paint something that's on your sweater. It's mm -hmm. a very nice polka dotted sweater. Mm -hmm. So I like Thanks. graphic shapes. Yeah, right. I like um, looking after my cats. I have two cats. Right. So Just those relaxing. are my hobbies. Yeah. 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 Nice. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. This was so nice. Hi, it's Thomas. New episodes come out on Mondays. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, neomare.com or wherever you listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by dropping a note on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Daam, at neomare and on Instagram at neomareshow. If you are listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast and you find some episode notes. Next to that, Neomare has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest conference news and updates on our digitalized world. You can sign up for Neo Monday at neomare.com slash subscribe. And now we also have a Patreon page and you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.